It's the Koshcast. It's been a weekend full of debate about decisions. Were they bad calls? Were they called well? All we know is that we've got Stephen Caldwell on the pod, and we couldn't be any happier about it. We'll ask him your questions as well as have a bit of Toronto FC discussion and dive into the Premier League. It was a case of Bakayoko Ono for Chelsea as they lost to Watford. Kane and Klopp both reached 100 at Anfield. Goals for Harry, miles an hour down the touchline for Jürgen. And it's augmented reality for Arsenal as they battered Everton, much like Phil Neville did his... Never mind. All this, Moomoo of the Week, and much more. The Koshcast with Stephen Caldwell. Get your head on. Hello and welcome to the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and we have more than a full house tonight. Roche Rana is here. Hello, hello. Bernie is here. Yo. Mohanad is here. Hi everyone. And joining us, former Burnley star, Toronto FC legend and TSN analyst, Stephen Caldwell. How are you? I'm great, thanks for having me. It's nice to be back. I really enjoyed my, my time last time. Yeah, we, we, we were thrilled you, you decided to come back. You know, yeah. <laughs> We've had a few repeat offenders. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Uh, Pete, no, no one's run away so far, so we're doing all right. Um, no, thank you for joining us. It was an amazing weekend of football. Yeah. Um, so why don't we dive straight into the Premier League? Dive. Speaking of dive. Speaking of dive. <laughs> yeah, very very, very apt word. Exactly. Um, shall we start then with Liverpool 2, Spurs 2 at Anfield? Yeah, uh, we should start there. I think um, Liverpool have always give us a re- really exciting game. I think we were talking, someone online was talking about how if you want to watch select Premier League games, make sure Liverpool's in there. Yeah. Liverpool Arsenal, Liverpool City, Liverpool Spurs, they always produce really nice games. And this was no different. Um, a game had a lot, it had everything. It had goals, it had dies, it had last minute excitement. I don't know. It, was it a fair result at the end? Um Difficult to say, and and the reason is because it was such a a unique game. Liverpool are a, are a unique team, in my opinion. They're, they've got the front three players who are just scintillating, and they get the ball forward really early, and they could cause any team in the world problems when they're pressing high, and it's so exciting. Yeah, you have Spurs who dominate the possession and and played really good football. I even thought in the first half they were they were the better team, although they looked a bit sloppy. Obviously, the the, the first goal was a, a mistake by Dyer. Uh, and there was mistakes all over the park because of the high press of Liverpool. But, and this is why I love Spurs and I love Pochettino, I think he's he's one of the best managers in world football right now, certainly up and coming. Um, he sticks to his guns and, and there's a reason for that because if you compromise on playing football at that level, then it just becomes easy to feel a bit of pressure from the crowd or a player or a position in the league and throw a ball forward or play a percentage pass or, or, or lump, as they say, and he just will not allow that. And his mm-hmm. players have bought into that 100%. And I just was and had such admiration for the way they played that game because I, you know, I watched the halftime show um, on the channel that was on in, in Canada and it was Shearer and, and Sherwood. And I, I thought their analysis was pretty poor. They were going on about, you know, Spurs were, were, were you know, the second best team and they were taking too many chances. And I just thought that they were wrong and I'm glad that the second half kind of proved them wrong because Spurs were, were the better team. And saying that, <laughs> Liverpool have a guy called Salah who's just absolutely Amazing. ridiculous and, and with the pressure of Firmino, um, uh, it's just another level. M- Manny was a bit off to his normal standards but the three of them put together just 
make them such a dangerous team and so it was a very intriguing game and, and, and I guess in the end just because of the different attributes a draw probably was a fair result Would you would you pip Salah over De Bruyne or the other way around for player of the season so far? I'm assuming if Yeah two- I would say <laughs> Salah just for the pure reason that I think De Bruyne is in a better side I love De Bruyne he's mm-hmm. an incredible player and I think the development of him game we could talk about for 30 minutes because he now looks like an out-and-out midfielder. He looks strong. His legs are like tree trunks. His body's like he's yeah. bulked up. You can see it considerably. Him playing centre of the park wasn't actually something that people thought about Never before, even I think, Pep switched his position, right? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, he used to play on the right, and then he plays a 10. And yeah. <clears throat> but he, he's almost box-to-box box now. You see him like take it off the centre-backs yeah. and you know, ping it. Or, yeah. But I, I have to agree with, with Mo and, and, and Sima as well. Salah's done things this season that are just unbelievable. Like that goal yeah. itself, people are talking about Messi. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you're talking about him in that context, even whether it's right or not, you know that you're seeing something amazing. So Salah has that individual streak about him. Like like Steven said, it's really <clears throat> less about the team. With De Bruyne, it's more about the team and how they all click together. And of course, De Bruyne is yeah. incredible. But Salah is doing things that are individual. He takes the ball halfway down the field and scores a goal. And he does things, you know, this, this game, last minute, almost last minute goal where he took on three players and... Put it beautifully over Louis. Like, that's smart. And to have that millisecond decision to go high into the net like that, because anywhere else would have been saved, yeah. I think that, that shows something about him. And so, we're not the only ones to compare Salah to Messi. Even Jamie yeah. Carragher thinks that Salah uh-huh. is comparable to Messi. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't think you can compare anybody no, to Messi, no. in all honesty. I think that goal had elements of Messi. I don't I don't see the same player. I, I see an out-and-out... I don't know if the word striker because he plays wide, but I just see a guy who can. His finishing first and foremost is incredible. When he when yep. he gets that chance, away, he just passes it in the corner. He makes it look like it's really easy. But I see a more kind of dynamic player in terms of his front play. Messi for me is just like the complete player can gel up the entire team and just mm. sort of make something out of nothing from a kind of middle of the park area. I think Messi does his best work when he when he drops and then he starts driving forward. Salah, for me, like I said, and I think this is probably a bit of the reason why Liverpool are playing so direct is why would you mess about? Just get that ball forward. Yeah. One of the front three are, are, are you know are going to cause havoc and once one of them get in the ball, it's a, a 4v3 or a 3v3 or whatever it is, you fancy them every single time yeah. to score a yeah, goal. Absolutely. So, to me, they're, they're kind of playing... I was disappointed in Robertson and less Alexander-Arnold, but I felt like Robertson just kept playing it up the line, up the line. And I didn't see the same level of football there for Liverpool, but I think it's partly because of that front three. Um, so, yeah, no real comparison to Messi for me because he's on another level, but in my opinion, the best player in the Premier League right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that about the front three and how that affects how the rest of the team play because we kind of saw that with Barcelona last season where the the midfield wasn't really doing anything yeah. they were getting bypassed because the front three was so good <coughs> that there was nothing really else to do but get yeah. it up to Messi Suarez mm-hmm. and Neymar and they just did their thing but also is Liverpool's midfield does, does it have enough quality there to play through them I mean they lost sure Coutinho yeah. Lalana seems to be off the pace Ox yeah. is hot and cold so you really you've got defensive minor players in Henderson Wijnaldum Chan yeah. you don't really have a creative yeah. outlet so you just go they really do more of kind of controlling tempo, defending, yeah. and you just let it go through them to the strike. Well, is, is Jordan Henderson even really good enough? Because I feel like some of the most dynamic performances the Ripple have had this season have been when either one or both of Wijnaldum yeah. and Chan have been playing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was telling that Henderson came off pretty early in the game, and he looked a bit disappointing for mm. me. Obviously, passed the armband onto Milner, but you know, when, when he's sort of coming off so early in the game and he's supposed to be the captain, I think that tells you that if Liverpool are going to seriously challenge this 
unbelievable Manchester City side and and be be contenders at the highest level of the Premier League and, and European football. He's one of the ones that's going to get replaced, in my yeah. opinion. Well, they're getting Keita at the start of yeah. the yeah. season. But exactly. I think when they gave Henderson the captain's armband, they kind of put themselves in a corner a little bit because that means now you're starting every game, you're supposed to be playing every game, and it, now they're slowly going to have to try and kind of get him out of the team because I don't think yeah. he's good enough. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, you know that there is also the option to just sell him to Barcelona. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of defensive midfielders, I wanted to ask uh, your opinion about um, Eric Dyer because yeah. he's a player I really like. I think he's probably England's best defensive midfielder at the moment. But I feel like he's Spurs' fourth best centre-back and possibly their second best defensive midfielder. Yeah. I know Wanyama's slowly coming back into full fitness, but I don't know. Dyer, Dyer has games where you don't really notice him and he's just kind of doing the yeah. basics and that's fine. But then he, he does come up with some pretty incredible mistakes fairly frequently, or it feels like yeah. he does. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. He looks a little clumsy at times. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Is I've never thought he was a a great central midfield player. I always thought he could have been a very very good centre half. Um, in the middle of the park, I feel like he's a little bit limited. His feet are a bit slow, and his movements are a little bit slow. Now I do think he'll get better in there if he, you know as he moves on. He's still pretty young, so I think as he gets more experienced, he'll be in in better positions, but. The, the new midfielder, that Kante, Keita type midfielder who's everywhere, they're sort of holding midfield but they press and they get back and yeah. they just seem to be in every area of the park that doesn't really play into an Eric Dyer type position. Even look at Dembele, you know, his colleague alongside him, just incredible the way he drives forward with the ball, he's, he's very attacking, mm. yet he still sort of marshals that, that midfield area. So... Yeah, I'd be a little worried if, if I was Eric Dyer and I think that when I was watching game on Sunday I was... I was actually thinking that they're probably a little disappointed they didn't take the millions and millions that Manchester United supposedly yeah. offered in the summer because yeah. arguably he's starting to play his way out of their best 11. I mean, I'd be pretty worried as England if that's my best anchorman in midfield. I, my think, best yeah. I mean, you're going to yeah. a World Cup with Eric Dyer, no offence, but he's a yeah. centre-back, basically a failed centre-back that's yeah. not good enough to play centre-back for Spurs. And now he's going to be your starting defensive midfielder. Well, behind him is drink water, Maybe. I mean, they played Wilshire there a few times during the uh, qualifiers. I think Jack will play. I think Jack, but as I think it's wide open. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I don't think there's any great candidate, but Loftus well, Sheep was playing his cell in there. He looks to be, you know, he's injured just now, so he that would be a problem for him. Wilshire was playing really good football a few Henderson. weeks ago. <laughs> Henderson <laughs> will probably yeah. be in the hunt, obviously. You know, so there's, there's not really any great candidate, but that, I think Dyer's. Looking a little bit vulnerable just now, although I still feel he's 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 a pretty good player. I, I still think I thought it was a bit harsh on him on, on Sunday. Yeah, he didn't have a great game, but right. he's still a pretty good player. Do well, you think? It's still, I mean, it's like a big game. You can't always perform in all the big games. Yeah, you twelve more games in the season for Dyer to make it up. Yeah. Um, before we move on from this game, let's talk quickly. Wanyama's goal. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it. I mean, we thought after we saw Wanyama's goal that I mean Salah just produced that other one, but Wanyama's goal was. Literally unstoppable. When you say yeah. unstoppable, you look you look at that angle right from behind the yeah. goal, and it curves right at the last moment into mm-hmm. that top corner, and it's just unsavable. It, it was a dream goal, and I love goals like that. I live for those kinds of goals. But I was I was actually in and out of this game, but the game was yeah. going on, and I was watching. I came and saw the TV, and I I just kind of felt like a goal was coming, but I didn't expect it to be that kind <laughs> yeah. of goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the no. pressure was mounting up, and you could see. Yeah, you're right. You could see something happening, but not. But that. from the second yeah. it left his foot. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, uh, it, you cannot hit a better shot than he that. He knew it's it was in enough. literally half a second after it left mm-hmm. us, but you could just tell that that was going. And it was amazing how he started the moves. He, I think yeah. he played a good ball wide. Great substitution, because you're sort of thinking, why is he putting on Wanyama? But yeah. the guy's <laughs> always thinking, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Pochettino. He's just amazing. And he puts Wanyama on, he plays it wide. And I thought it was a good ball in from Ericsson. And in the beginning, I thought Carriers did well, because Kane was lurking, and mm-hmm. he just couldn't get it out and high enough and when Yama came from nowhere and just hits this yeah. thing like well, like it, a dream you know if you if you watch it back he actually comes from behind Oscar yeah. Chamberlain who's just switched off yeah but yeah, I, I heard the name Harry Kane and I thought why don't we ask penalty or not yeah well, the both, first one, I mean we've got well, two let, penalties let's yeah, talk no, about the, the first, first one. one penalty or not I, I'm in the no penalty camp on this one <laughs> well I, I, I don't think it's a penalty I think he, I think it's he a just, he, well <laughs> he, he throws himself forward and in the process hits the keeper but, yeah like if he just keeps running forward, like nothing happens, but you just you can't just jump. But that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like contact. I think, and um, we could talk about the offside because that's just yeah. the, the rules so ambiguous, it's ridiculous. I don't even know it, and I, I played football for eighteen years, and I'm in football still. It's just who knows the rule. Like it's just so weird that if Lovren just leaves that ball, he's offside, but. The guy doesn't know he's offside. Like I played the game, you, you don't know when guys are offside. You you got to react. It's split second. There's forty thousand people there, fifty thousand people, and he tries to clear it, and then he's suddenly onside. It's just a ridiculous yeah. rule. Yeah. So that needs to change. He was offside, and then I I actually think it was a penalty. Oh. I know he played for it, but no. he gets there first yeah. in the movement of the goalkeeper. I think that it's so difficult for him to move round that goalkeeper at that point. You know, it's not his. But he doesn't try to, is my problem. Yeah, like I he, know. So, so you think he's played for it, but he's, he's got played enough for it, contact but I think there's, there's enough yeah. in it that is justified. Okay. I, I guess it's tough. On that concept of playing for it, is, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Are you just being smart, or are we bending the rules a little bit? Because yeah. he said himself that he felt the contact and he went down, Yeah, which is fair enough. But how much contact is enough to put but you down? Thing, well, so, you know, yeah. these are different arguments that, that people have yeah. and they say, well, if you don't go down, your teammates will get mad at you. Real friend that said that recently. Yeah. And I, yeah. just, I don't know where the line is for me. I thought he knew if he got the touch first, Karius was going to come, he was yeah. going to feel the touch and go over. Yeah. I thought he did that. Right, take the second one, for example. Lamella got the slightest of touches if he even got yeah. it and then he jumped in the air you know so for me the second one was never a penalty it's just ridiculous for the lamella the amount of touches that all of a sudden players lose their knees from like the same touches in midfield nothing yeah. happens you take the bump you move on but in, yeah. in the box you don't want to yeah, take the course. bump you but, but sometimes it's also really hard to tell if it was a like a significant bump yeah like, slow I mean, for, for someone who's actually played the game you've experienced yeah. a few bumps but like some are misleading no it's very misleading and you look back and you think that was nothing but during the game it was, it was quite a, a hit because you're moving at a fast pace you yeah. know so it, it's it's really easy to say after all these slow-mos but for me Lamella's was not a penalty and Kane's was he was on the border of, you know diving but I, for me there was enough right. contact there, to award it there was also the bit the controversial bit where you could see the referees talking to each other and I'm surprised yeah. they didn't cover their mouth or anything because usually yeah. people do that they just stood there they and played so basically yeah they, they, they lip synced it and they talked about it and basically the linesman said I'm not sure if there was contact the ref somehow still gave for which it one sorry for the first one for okay. Harry Kane yeah. uh, okay. and then the second one also he, like, basically both of them he agreed to one and disagreed to the other yeah. like opposite and mm-hmm. then and then the people were pointing out like the the, the linesman like did this little fist bump when like the penalty was given. Oh, is it really weird to not cover your mouth at least? And there was a bit where they read the the, the main referee, whatever his name was at the time. John Moss. John yeah. Moss was actually saying, talking to the fourth referee, asking him if he saw anything on TV. Yeah. 
it was like that's what VAR is. So it's like, do you want it or do you not want yeah. it? You can't make it they, up in the middle of the game. They actually acknowledged in the in the statement, the referee statement, that that was a stupid thing to do. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, what I found interesting about the penalty was um, Harry Kane was on six oh six last night, right. and Ian Wright asked him why he, why he put it down the middle because he usually just smashes yeah. it into the corner. And uh, Kane said basically, look, he looks back at his penalties. He looks where he's gone recently. He always changes it up. And he decided before the game that if he got one, that's where he yeah. was going. So yeah. I just thought that was cool. And then he got with the second one. He got his hundredth goal. Yeah, um, that's quite an achievement. He's been he's been I mean a, a one season wonder for three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so good for him. One of the one of the better slash best strikers in the world. You have oh, to yeah. say um, his movement, the way he's always somehow available in the box yeah. with no one marking him up even though with Spurs that's literally the only guy he shoots well like, he's a good yeah. shot he's, he's got probably, a probably fair everything. to say that now if you consider true number nines he probably is the best in the world right now if you think about form right? yeah like, that would I don't, make that argument I, I think we have an issue some, sometimes with English player people don't want to say it but yeah. if you look at Cavani Lewandowski they're not scoring at the yeah, rate but it's the level too you gotta start doing it in Champions League you gotta start doing it it's just yeah. that level yeah. as well yeah. is, is the only yeah, that's thing that's fair Okay, let's move on to Arsenal. Yep. Um, Arsenal beating Everton 5-1 after losing to Swansea the week before. So that's Arsenal, right? You got your ups and downs and there's no middle. There's no consistency across the season. Yeah. See, I'm going to lose to the bottom team and then I'm going to win 5-1 with two new signings and everyone's happy and it's yeah. great. Well, your so last home game, sorry, you won Crystal Palace, I think it was. You were rampant in the first half of the Pretty much identical it? performance. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, like, Everton have provided this kind of relief to Arsenal twice this season. <laughs> like, massive crisis, Everton. Massive crisis, Everton. I, I, was, I was listening to Ars blog and he was basically saying this is just Groundhog Day. It's repeat against Everton. It was the first game we got to play Sanchez Ozil Lacazette for the first time ever. Killed that game, best game of our season. Everyone's like, here we go, we're going to win the league from here. Then nothing happens for three months. Mm-hmm. And then now the exact same thing happened with Ozil, uh, Mkhitaryan, Obama, 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 Young, apparently. <laughs> um, and now it's the same thing. Oh my God, we're going to win the league. And then, you know, it's it, yep. it's football. What are you going to do? If you're not yeah. going to get excited about two new signings and winning 5-1, then what's the point, right? Uh, I want to hear Stephen Caldwell's opinion <laughs> on uh, like Everton's back three. Yeah. Like Keane, <laughs> Mangala, and Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Could you legitimately do a better job than them no, right now? No. <laughs> no, I think I think Ashley Williams is you know in the autumn of his career. Obviously, he's been a great great player. He's really struggled in the last certainly this season, maybe the last eighteen months. Um, so I think he's on the way down, on the way out of the Premier League. Uh, Keane has really surprised me. He looked great at Burnley. Yeah. Listen, playing centre half for Burnley is fantastic. You sit in your slot, you header, you you know, you kick it and you just kinda like play to your strengths and, and he's that certainly his strengths. So now he's been asked to come higher up the field and play a bit and, and be a bit more expansive and it's it's affected him. Um and, and Magala's gonna play, he's a new guy, but the, the, the change in formation for me was a little bit strange. I heard Allardyce's comments, they, they sort of made sense, you know, they watched Swansea do it. Swansea were absolutely brilliant at it. They had worked at that formation for a few weeks under Carvajal, you know, so it wasn't like he just went in there and, and, and sort of did it for that one game. Right. They did it to absolute perfection. Sam Allardyce had a, a, you know, a, a result, a performance on the Wednesday. He then decided, without really any training, to change to that same formation mm-hmm. with a group of guys that doesn't really fit them. To right. like Mangala, left side centre-half, to me, is... Not a great choice, you know. I, I heard someone with the opinion saying, you know, with all respect to Swansea, you're you're Sam Allardyce, you're, you know, you're in that 500 yeah. 
uh, games uh, in the Premier League yeah. bracket now. You've got a team with far more resources. Yeah. You think much better players, and your game plan is to copy Swansea yeah. from three days ago. Yeah. It just doesn't sound competent. Well, even yeah. if you do that, right? Like, we're talking about an Everton team that, through Theo Walcott, had some pace. Balassi has some yeah. pace, which is what we said they haven't had all season. And one thing that Arsenal have been susceptible to all season is pace down the wing. Yeah. So... Why not try that and use your best resources, but then he didn't do any of that at all. But, so. but it's kind of odd because you can... Well, we've seen plenty of teams against Arsenal sit in a low block and just yeah. hit them on the break, but you don't need to be in a back three or five to no, do that. You can do that in two backs of four. And yeah. it's just It was kind of an odd decision. I also thought, you know, they, it was, there's weird things going on with team selection as well. Sigurdsson and Rooney both dropped. Mm-hmm. I totally take the argument that both of them in the same lineup is not ideal. Yeah. But having both of them through. out of the team, like those are your chief creative threats. So you've got Nias and Walcott and Balassi on the pitch, but who's passing it to them, really? I don't yeah, know. there's no creativity. Schneiderlin was in there. And oh. Yeah, they're big, they're big problems <laughs> there. I, I, and I don't think that... Sam will always get a result, and there's no way that Everton will get relegated. There was no way they were going to get relegated under Ronald Koeman, in my opinion. Um, but it's just a stopgap thing. There's no building there. They spent... You know, 100 million yeah. how much was it it was a lot of money yeah. to, to kind of go to that next level and it never quite worked but they've just went and got a stopgap to just kind of survive again it doesn't really make sense to me and sign right. the new guy Cinco soon looked brilliant at Pasiktas but spent a lot of money on him and dropped him after two or three games yeah. so yeah I, th- I think there could be could be some problems there at Everton in terms of you know team spirit and stuff and I'm not really sure how long Sam will, will survive because he's, he's just a middle table manager and now Marco Silva's free <laughs> yeah um, I don't want to gloss over Arsenal though because we did not get to be positive about <laughs> yeah, Arsenal on this agree. podcast too much so I'm going to bring it back to that um, so January transfer window very un-Arsenal like everybody knew Sanchez was going to leave yeah. uh, everybody thought City yeah. went to United Arsenal fans weren't happy that it's United Jose Mourinho etc etc but you could see the logic with getting a player because what are you going to do with 25 million from yep. City you're yeah. not going to spend it on anybody um, so you got Mkhitaryan in which you know is a good player and the hope is that he fits Arsenal more he feels that kind of confidence from Marcin Wenger as opposed to Jose yeah. Mourinho etc etc and then the added bonus of Aubameyang last day or whatever it was a few days before the the window closes we've seen kind of the effect of the new backroom staff with Sven Mislin Tad the new head of recruitment uh-huh. and etc etc you know the details um and then all of a sudden, everybody's really excited to see how they would play. With Ozil signing a new contract yeah. is huge. I mean, I'd arguably say more important than those two new those two signings. And then they clicked. To be fair, they clicked for the first 25, 30 minutes of the game. Mkhitaryan looked incredibly smart on the ball. His positioning yeah. off the ball. Yeah. His Even his assists to both of them, to Ramsey, they were, I guess, deliberate. Yes. Like It's kind of what Ozil would do on the left foot. Now, Mkhitaryan similar on the right foot. It's... it's Ping it into someone as opposed to like a, I don't know, I don't want to pick on him, but like an Awobi float across to whoever, good luck. Yeah. Like it's, you could see the, yeah. the, 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 the style, you could see the... The panache. Yeah, and, and it was really exciting to watch. And Ramsey back from his sickness or injury or whatever it was. And I don't know, it looked exciting. The question is now, can you build on this? And mm-hmm. the defense and midfield, you know, Shaka, I don't know what your opinion is on him. Yeah. Can he anchor Arsenal's midfield mm-hmm. moving forward? No. No, 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 no he can't. He can't. He can, um, he, you know, they want to challenge for the Premier League title. Xhaka can't challenge. Ramsey can't challenge. Yep. Mustafi can't challenge. I, um, I agree completely. He can they've got an aging challenge. goalkeeper who, you know, like obviously five, six down the list, you're mm. going to replace, but still, 
his agent is, is coming to the end. Because he only with his injury problem, yep. he's not going to be. The front line you know. are terrific, and they always will be. But you know, mm-hmm. what happens when they have that poor game or that tough game that you need to grind out? That every team that wins the league, even City, grind out in their you know very stylish fashion by keeping the but they, they get there, they get the result done. Arsenal haven't been able to do that for a number of years, and and for me the problems are still there and. Well, I think Aubameyang's a very, very, very good player. He he has disciplinary issues, in my opinion. And they bought a guy for fifty million in, in the summer who was supposed to be that yeah. guy. So you know, it doesn't make sense that they go out and they spend a lot of that money on on him because I think they really needed a, a, a top, top holding midfielder or a centre half. Yeah, agreed. Um, just on that, actually, on uh, Lacazette, uh, yeah. James Suave on Facebook, he's one of the Toronto. Um, T-Dot Gunners yeah. um, says, is Lacazette doomed to the bench or what role will he play for the rest of the campaign? Uh, I think he'll really struggle to get in the side. I don't know how he can play alongside Aubameyang. He spend that money, much money on Aubameyang who for me is one or two levels above Lacazette mm-hmm. and then he's mm-hmm. definitely going to play assuming he's fit. Lacazette has to look in a mirror and, and decide what he really wants. Does he want to go you know, back to France or back to Europe and, and, and with his tail between his legs or does he want to like really challenge with, with a top Premier League team? He needs to work harder. He needs to be 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 in the you know the right positions and for me his performance against Swansea was was shocking. You know, yeah. a lot of bad performances but he was so lazy, standing up there, giving them absolutely nothing and unfortunately it's been like that too many times this season. But but like Azette has the Europa League in which Aubameyang can play. So like Azette has such an I think at his feet, the most realistic way of Arsenal to get back into that top four, yeah. or, well, sorry, to get back into Champions League football, it's so crucial that he plays well. And he has that mm-hmm. platform where no, there's literally not another striker, because Welbeck is not a footballer. But like, <laughs> there, there, there isn't another striker that will play those Europa League games. And he has such an important role till the end of the season that he does well then, and Arsenal go far, semi-final, final, whatever it is. And he can easily, slowly make his way back inside. Like, it's not all doom and gloom for Lacazette but it's up to him I think yeah. the key for Lacazette is really to understand people are lauding this Mkhitaryan Aubameyang partnership right and replicating what they did in Dortmund if Lacazette actually watches that and maybe does something like tries to figure out how, what does he, what is he doing right that I'm not doing right then they can replicate that type of thing in the Europa League mm-hmm. and on Mkhitaryan I, I we said it on this podcast wonderful player and Arsene Wenger got a decent deal out of the Sanchez thing, better than what he would have gotten from City. So congratulations to him. What Arsenal really needs to be careful of, Mkhitaryan started this season hot. Mm-hmm. Very hot. He started for Arsenal very hot. Can he keep it going? I think he can under the right circumstances. We have to be very, very careful with him because he's a confidence player. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal's not a place where confidence remains for a very long time. <laughs> That's true. All right, let's, let's go to where he came from. United uh, beating Huddersfield 2-0. This one was funny. So, Jose Mourinho drops Pogba. He doesn't rest him. He drops him after the little spat they had on the sideline from the mm-hmm. previous game. And that's Mourinho. He just, like, literally, the minute it happened, on our little thread, he just goes, and it begins. Yeah, because yeah. You can always see when the, when the deterioration of the relationship between Mourinho Drama. and his players starts. And, like, this is the first chip. And you're like, here we go. 
Um, you one more year. One more year. He just really believes in McTominay. That's <laughs> <not> <laughs> yeah, who got who got absolutely battered all game. He just got slapped left, he, right, and center. You know, and all all McTominay did was make sideways passes the entire game. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? He's a young player. He's coming into the team. He maybe maybe didn't expect to play yeah. that game, but you know, he just came in and made sideways passes the whole time. I mean, th- that's Pogba assists for you right there, right? Just, yeah. Lay but, off three feet to, to Martial. Yeah, but overall, football has not been too much fun under <laughs> Mourinho for some, for some time now as United fans. It's been very difficult to watch. Well, the yeah. first half of this game was, was difficult to watch. Nothing happened. Sanchez was running into a cul-de-sac all the time. Um, <laughs> like you said, McTominay's sideways passes. Although, I was very impressed with McTominay overall. I thought he had him played very, very well, which to me suggests... If McTominay and Matic are on the same line, which they were all the time, there was no one breaking from the middle, why not play a 4-3-3 with McTominay, Matic, Pogba, Pogba can release himself, and then you have Alexis Martial and Lingard. Well, he played Lingard at seems to make Well, Lingard doesn't need to play, right? Yeah. Like, it well, seems to yeah. make more sense to me. It's too many good ideas for Mourinho. <laughs> You can't play Pogba and, and alongside Matic. He's, he's too reckless and he's he's got no positional sense. He's the guy does some in every game. It's just world class. But he's he's a street player and in a Mourinho side where he likes to play specialists in every position, mm. he can't play in that holding position. So that for me, they have to find somebody in that position. And I agree, allow Pogba to play higher up. Obviously, you could call it a four three three or a. Uh, four two three one, which is what he plays. It's same kind of thing for me. It's all formations merge into each other these days mm-hmm. because players are so so fit and fluid. Um, and so Pogba has to be that higher up guy in that number ten role. Maybe a little bit uh, interchange with uh, Sanchez or mm. whoever. You know, obviously front guys move around. Uh, but Lukaku is a guy for me. Yeah, he gets another goal against Huddersfield, but. He hasn't scored against the top eight he's, yet. He can't that's do it. He's, crazy. he's another one that's a bit lazy. He doesn't seem to have the confidence or, or the quality to really doesn't have the touch on the defence. So. <laughs> well, well, well there was something about Lukaku's game that we discussed earlier. It's yeah. like he needs to have the ball when he's facing goal yeah. as yes. opposed to with his back to goal because yeah. he's completely ineffective. He just yeah, and I thought it was the same at Everton. Like, yeah. He does improve every year, so there's still... A lot, hopefully, a lot of improvement in the guy, but he was seventy-five million pounds because he's still yeah. twenty-four. And yeah, I know, and he's and he's got a lot of goals for his age, yeah. for his country, and with, with his clubs. But he gives the ball away too many times. Yeah. He struggles to find space against top top teams, and he's going to have to work harder, in my opinion. He, I think he's carrying a bit too much weight. He's, he's not exciting enough for like United. No. Like to me, United have always been the biggest team in England. They're they're kind of who represent who they they represent England on the mm-hmm. European stage. It's such sure the last few years, but United are United. As an Arsenal yeah. fan, I completely you know confess United are the biggest team in the land. And Lukaku just. As a signing was never exciting enough, was never flair enough. It's like, I don't know. It, it, it I, I wasn't feel... exciting enough, but if, when you look at the options, like we've talked about this, like strikers that are affordable nowadays are not in high supply. I don't know, Aubameyang for 75 million at the time? I'd, Aubameyang at the time couldn't, no club in the world wanted Aubameyang. For disciplinary reasons, his wage demands, whatever, it didn't make sense for anybody. So what what I'm saying is this, you have a 24-year-old player that you can mold to who you want, who has a horrendous first touch, I accept that completely, but the fact of the matter is his goal record was outstanding for his age, better than anybody, anybody in world football at that point. You take that gamble. The thing with Lukaku is that United's game has always, even on their still eyes for me, has always been based on crosses. Mm-hmm. They cross the ball more than anyone else for in, in the top sides. And you saw it this game. They try and tippy-tappy. Sanchez tries to run in his little circles. 
The goal comes from Mata on the on the touchline, just whips it in, Lukaku yeah. puts it in. That's what Ashley Young used to do. That's what Valencia does all but the time. Ashley Young has not gone anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like United have always been like, every time I watch United, I go, oh, it seems so easy. Just cross it in, you yeah. get a goal. And they, they, they swayed away Lukaku's from that a little bit. best goals have come from crosses this season. I, I think that if Alex Ferguson was 10 years younger and he was still a manager in Manchester United, Harry Kane would be a Manchester United player. Mm, yes. And I think, he, he, you know, obviously he's never going to be now because it's too late. It's going to cost 200 million or something stupid. But he, to me, was a, was a Manchester United player. And that's something we always say back home. Just, just have that look, that feel about them. They can handle that prestige of playing for that club, like you say, you know, the biggest club in England, one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest. And just has that, that presence about them. Lukaku doesn't have that, in my opinion. Harry Kane had it, and they should have went from two or three years doesn't ago. Like and Fergie would have pulled the the, the, the shirt, and he would have got him, and paid whatever it was at the time, because he would have seen that. Mm. He had the vision to see that kind of thing, and the, the well, missed similar it to Rooney, right? Yeah. 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 It was basically the Rooney the one at the time was crazy. It yeah. was like, yeah. oh god, this guy's played uh, twenty games, thirty games, it was thirty million for an eighteen-year-old. Yeah. But uh, Alexis, does is he that? I think is he, he is. that guy that yeah. fits that mold that you're referring? To? Yeah, I do. I think he is. I think he is. I think he can handle playing for Manchester United. I think he's going to get better and better. Now, will he suit a Jose Mourinho team? I'm not so sure because, like I say, it's specialists and areas, and it's going to be some frustrating games for him because he likes to be fluid and free. But I do think that. He looks to me like he's a Manchester United player. It's funny. It's funny how often though that the conversation comes back to, is he a Jose Mourinho player? Yeah. Like there seem to be very few people <laughs> that actually are. When it comes to like attacking players, it's just yeah. I don't know. It's kind of sad. Um, all right. Should we do the quiz? Yeah. Welcome to the Quizepi Mietza. Very good. Very good. <laughs> this, this one's a special one because we've got four participants. Three. I'm well, not playing. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. Three. Alex, could you remind us of your buzzer? Stephen Caldwell. Very nice. And Bernie. That was easy. Beautiful. Are you guys ready to go straight yes. in? Yes. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Question number one. After Manchester City and Manchester United, which club in the EPL has the squad value which is the highest? That was easy. Bernie. Liverpool. Wrong. Hi. Alex. Chelsea. Wrong. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur. That is correct. What? Wait, wow. how are you yeah. really, like? So the uh, so not not the like the fees that they bought them for. No, the total value of the squad. Oh, okay. Uh, so right. so for reference, okay, so it's City, which is number one with seven hundred and thirteen million. Jesus. Uh, United second six six seven million, and then Spurs six three five million. Okay. Yeah, Harry Kane's only like yeah. Much half the team. Fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So the second one is more like two questions in one, but you know, have fun with it. Okay. So, which team in the EPL has the oldest squad? And which team has the youngest squad? Steven. The oldest squad, Everton. Wrong. Sorry, go on. Alex. I realised you're halfway on. through. Is the oldest one Arsenal? No. Um, the oldest squad is Chelsea. Wrong. Oh my god. Any Can young? Any, any uh, you're close, but do you want to do youngest squad yeah. guesses first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, youngest squad, Manchester United. Wrong. These, are, these might be hard. It clearly, it's tough. Uh, youngest Spurs. No. Oh, yeah. Are they in the top six? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Liverpool. 
Liverpool is the youngest squad, but wow. Mohamed is not participating. <laughs> I'll give my points to Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, Full so hard work paid for off. reference, the oldest squad is Brighton. Brighton? Oh, okay. Yeah, the, age. the average age is 28.7 for Brighton and wow. Liverpool is 25.9. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay. That's pretty tight, pretty close between yeah, yeah, yeah. the lot. Those were hard questions. But okay, last question, and this one's a bit out there, so you know, have fun with <laughs> it. Get, we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> right in there with a the tackle, you know, so... Name one of the top three, one of the top three most aggressive teams in Europe. Ooh. As per their Atletico Madrid. Very close. It's in that league, but it's mm. not quite that. Oh. Red Star Belgrade. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the same league, Alex. Oh, you do, yeah, but there's... That's a good, not yeah, fans. Red, 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 yeah, red, not red, fans. Red, oh, red. my God. Uh, relax, man. <laughs> uh, I'm going with uh, West Ham. It was in La Liga. <laughs> oh, you said one of the like three. I, so get, I, get, two the other ones. I get the hint. I get the was actually correct. Valencia is one of the three teams. What it's you actually doing? you can have my you point. You won the quiz. You <laughs> know. It's actually Hetafe, Alaves, and then Valencia. Wait, so the top yeah. three in Europe are all in Spain? All in Spain. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, didn't, I didn't get that yeah. part of what you said. That's okay. That's I think that's more about the refereeing in Spain than it is. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were a bunch yeah. of softies in yeah. Spain. So, Watford, uh, Chelsea, the Monday game that we didn't get, well, I didn't get to see it, but um, crazy result. I mean, Bakayoko, again, culprit with a horrendous performance. Two yellows in five minutes. Yeah. That's always what you want. But but I don't know, I, Stephen, I'd like to get your opinion on this, because I've looked at the way that Conte has set Chelsea up a lot this season. Yeah. It's, with two defensive midfielders, sometimes even three central midfielders to get Fabregas in, and he's kind of abandoned the attacking trio yeah. that they had last year with Hazard, striker William. Yeah. To get more people into central midfield. Now, I'm not I just don't understand that they need it. Uh, where do we start? <laughs> the back of Yoko in the face of it looked like a really good sign and he was tremendous at Monaco. You'll think, wow, this is probably an upgrade on Matic. That's what I thought. Um and it, and it, and it was essentially Kante and Matic last season. And I think We've never really talked much about the loss of Costa. That was absolutely huge for this yeah. team. I watched this team live uh, about this time last year, uh, the end of January in, in Liverpool, one-one uh, match, uh, and they were absolutely fantastic. The way that they played, the way they were coached, the style of the football. Uh, it's very um, basketball esque. It's really like sort of set plays. You know, Canty uh, would come towards the ball. It would come to a, you know a wide wing back. They just flip it and it Costa and everybody would collapse in, you know, in on Costa who was tremendous at holding the ball up. And it was it was very uh, strategic and, and very precise and everybody I'm sure there were smarter people than me that could see that but nobody could handle it. They were just brilliant at it. Wing backs were tremendous as well. And this season they just don't have the same energy. Guys are having bad years. In fairness, Aspliquetas having a very average season. He's a brilliant player. Canty's not having a great season. So. Everybody's sort of down on their performances in previous years, which is worrying for me because it's another sign from Chelsea that there's a lack of kind of personality, team spirit in that squad. And mm. whether it's Mourinho or Conte, two of the you know uh, reputedly best managers, man managers in, in world football in the last ten years, are not getting the best out of these players. There's, there's something rotten in this football club. Yeah, I agree with that because Chelsea won the league under Mourinho. Yeah, then they finished tenth. <laughs> yeah. Then they won the league again. Yeah. And now they're playing badly. Yeah. 
It, it's interesting to think though, because we used to have an idea about who the kind of core players <clears throat> yeah. that might cause trouble would be. But when I look at the squad now, I have trouble beyond maybe Azad, but even he doesn't seem like that much. Tr- I I have trouble identifying who who that is anymore. Well, Conte doesn't like David Luiz, so maybe that has to do with personality. Uh, sure, no, forget, but, forget the, I don't like him positionally. Right, right, right. But if you're but, not going to, if you win the league with the guy and you don't play him beginning of the season, is it because of a personality issue? I think it's club culture. I truly believe when you have been at a club and you've seen manager go and manager come and you just don't feel like you have that much pressure on you as a player. You just think, we're going to have a slump. They're going to change the manager. Everyone else is going to be okay. So it's like, you're not too worried about yourself as a player. You just think the philosophy and the culture of this club is changing managers. Yeah. And I don't know, just... I'm wondering if Chelsea are ever going to have a manager for more than two seasons. Because when was the last time that happened? By the way, just to, just to add to what you're saying and to support that, it was very interesting when they lost Matic. And, and like Steven said, maybe Bakayoko was an upgrade. I didn't... I, no one really knew Bakayoko yeah. coming into the league. So that was a bit of a gamble in that sense. But... It's interesting on the player power side that Matic had a direct line to Abramovich. Marine, um, Conte wasn't the one that said, you can go. He had an agreement with Abramovich. Abramovich said, yeah. you can leave. It's the same with Czech. Czech and, yeah. the same. Do, and do all these players, uh, do they just sidestep the manager and go yeah. straight to the ownership? And there lies the problem? problem. You know, it's, a, it's an ownership level. And, mm-hmm. and they're really these players kind of know that they're the boss or the boss is... Abramovich, so it's irrelevant who their manager is. It was the same with Jose; they had had enough of him. They got him out of a you know club legend, the guy that won the title more than once for that club. And then Conte, you're thinking, okay, they're not going to mess with this guy. This guy takes mm. you know no prisoners. Costa's gone, Luis is out. You know he's making these decisions. You think that'll have a positive effect in the squad, but it just has even more negative effect. They seem to just be you know giving up, down in tools really quickly and. I don't know where they go from here. As Tarkasari, what difference is that going to make? They're going to bring a guy. Yeah, it might be quite more exciting. But as soon as these guys decide that something happens, it's, it's against them. They're just going to do the same thing. But to Alex's point, I think yes, all this turmoil in the bag. But I think Conte is also bringing this on himself a lot with his tactics. I mean, again, he's playing way too many defensive midfielders with three centre backs behind them. We talked about this a few podcasts before. You watch Chelsea, even when they win a game. Yeah. The game plan is literally hoof it up to Hazard and Morata and you just hope for a moment of genius. Yeah. There isn't there isn't like a plan. There isn't, this is exactly how we want to score a goal. Because you've got Kante, Bakayoko, sometimes Cesc. They're so deep. They're not even involved in the attacking play. Fabregas is a big problem though. Yeah. You know, he's, he's really finished at the top level. And yeah, he'll still play that 40, 50 yard pass. It's sensational, but... No mobility. Bakayoko's came in. He's been lazy. Kanti's mm. doing three guys working there, and he's, he's having a bit of an off season. Morata's not playing. well. Morata's not been playing well. No, he's been playing lately. So there's no kind of presence. And Falf, Hazard gets his space off that. You know that big figure, that Costa. Morata was hoped to be that guy. He wasn't. I think they should upgrade the wing back areas as great as Moses and Alonso were in the title winning season. They're not top, top players. Yeah, they tried to get um, Juventus, Alexandro uh, from Juventus, but that never worked out. Uh, he signed the, left, the, the guy from Roma, didn't he? Wasn't it? Was that defensive oh, again? Palmieri, yeah. Oh, Palmieri, sorry, yeah. I don't know if... Was I'm that Pacosta sure was a recruit? He's been a bit yeah. negative as well. There's just no real... F- it's a team with Hazard, but apart from Hazard, no real flair no, in the but side. But shouldn't they still not lose a game yeah. to this Watford side that has been... Terrible, which cost Marco Silva his job. They've been so bad. You would think at least they would win this game. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just sorry, Rashad. No. no, go ahead. Uh, I'm just. Conte showed his flexibility when at the start of last season 
they lost a few games, they got battered by Arsenal, he switched to the three, introduced a new system, they went on an incredible run. And since then, obviously that season he didn't need to change anything because they were brilliant. But this season, it hasn't been working anywhere near as, as much as it should be. And we've seen no flexibility from him. Well, yeah, tactically, so yeah, I think, I think we saw the tweet from a Chelsea fan saying something like that Conte's flexibility last season won the title, his inflexibility, yeah. or whatever the opposite of that word is. This season sucked, yeah. is just getting... Because he's... Again, maybe the three at the back, it's time to let go of that a little bit and play with some more flair. Add an attacking player. But the problem is, they don't even have one. I get it. William. Yeah. Name on paper. Fine. But like, what happens? You drop a Pedro or a William there, you don't go and win the league. Like They don't have the quality regardless of the formation, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there's something missing at this club. There's something going on behind the scenes. And seven goals in two games, which is 30% of the goals they've conceded all season, has happened <laughs> in the last two games. So there's something that's going to happen. But another point is, with the managers going in and out, it's not nothing different than a Real Madrid. Yeah. Now, they just got new managers until it actually clicked. Right. Now Zidane's going to might maybe get sacked as well. So, I mean, it's just a revolving door at the end of the day. So how can we sit here and say... Yeah, yeah, they'll get a new new manager every two seasons, and that's like it's different from what's actually happening. To be fair, they win the se- they win the league yeah. every time they get a new manager, and yeah. so it's yeah. like, and they still sack him a year yeah. or two later. Yeah. It's the same point. Yeah, it's a great point. It's the same kind of scenario where they just there's just a club with turnover. There's no other way like looking at it. But if they're really going to get consistency and 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 challenge for Champions League, which is basically what Abramovich wants, or we're led to believe what he really really wants, then they're going to have to find some consistency with a guy, whoever it is, um, sorry, whoever, and just say, no, no matter what, no player power is going to win here. I'm going to back you for the three years and you're going to build something. But you have to fix the recruitment at the same time. Yeah. Because and not send yeah. so many players alone and turn out to be incredible. I, I do think that Conte has a point in terms of, and, and we don't know the inner workings of this, but the players that they've brought in are not it. And he said it, I think, the other day where he said, why bring in eight players when you can bring in two for a hundred million or something. Yeah. Like that. He literally said when your only option on the bench is Ross Barkley. This is like two days after <laughs> yeah. signing him. Then yeah. It's like you just signed the guy. Yeah. Come on, he doesn't want Ross Barkley. Like no. the, the quality of players they've signed recently is just not good enough. I don't think the squad is good enough. He's right to complain that they haven't really brought in anyone. I mean Bakayoko aside who was supposed to be good. There isn't there isn't quality in the side. Hazard and Morata's his first season in the league. You know, he's not his supposed first to take season you to being the, a starter at a anywhere. Club. He's played something like eight game like I, I was know. I was very disappointed they didn't get Andy Carroll. I mean, <laughs> it just would have been so oh, much Giroud. fun. We didn't talk about him. Yeah, I mean, no, really. Yeah, yeah. Where is Kante? Because he was two players last season. Where is he this season? Well, now, he's, he's, now he's three. Yeah. That's that's a that's step too far. He has to be three. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I will be interesting. It will be interesting to watch how Giroud fits into this team for right. the second half of the um, season. Also, before we move on, I have to say, last season they also benefited from the level of competition not being as high as this season. They didn't have that Man City yes. juggernaut. United weren't yeah. at it, etc., etc. They also like, didn't have Europe. Exactly. They didn't have Europe. That was a big one. Can, can, yeah. I, can right. I just say, the level of competition, I give you the City part, and maybe, well, Man United improving, even though I'm annoyed, but improving, I'll give you that. But the rest of it, like... It's pretty. If Manchester United are five points clear of Chelsea and we don't really feel great about them, yeah, then this just shows how poor them, Liverpool, Spurs, and Arsenal have actually yeah. been in real context. It's been very, very bad. Sure. I mean, that's how Leicester won the league, right? So Yeah. So Manchester United are Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking right. of City, yeah. 1-1 one, one with Burnley, away. Um, that Danilo goal, though. That was that was delicious. Uh, you know when you see a replay and you're like, wait, who is that? Yeah. And you're like, no, no, no. Like, it can't, it can't be. There's no way. But Burnley, not a lot of teams, and I don't think a lot of teams have actually gone to Turf Moor and got results. 
I mean, I remember we were discussing this when Arsenal got in there and got a result, and everyone was like, yeah, whatever, just burning. I'm like, people will not get three points. Yeah, Arsenal won 1-0, more. I believe. Yeah. United won 1-0, but that just shows you how it's hard diff- it is to play difficult. against that team. Very difficult, and they did a really good job. Burnley played... Well, let's start at the beginning. Pep named six substitutes. Disgrace. He's claiming that he doesn't have enough money to build a, a squad. and it's, like, He's a weird guy. It, it, and then at the post-match weird. interview, he's just like all like annoyed and just doesn't want to talk about did, it. Did you hear the explanation, though? No. Okay, so just to, to balance this out a bit, Bernie, you can stop complaining. Uh, <laughs> the, he, 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 he was questioned, and they said, well, you could have named a, a youth team player. Yeah. And he said, yes, I could have, but they played the night before. Right. So if I name them in my squad for this game, they can't play. In yeah, the, but he's not going to play before, and he's not going to play even if he's on my bench. Yeah. So really, I don't, I don't see this as he's a big deal. He's trying to make a point. Yes. And he's making the point in a way that is ridiculous because his excuse for not playing a youth player was because they played the night before. That's the first thing. Any other manager, if they identify a hole in their squad, they bring a youth team player Don't play in. Him that night. He trains with the first team squad, and yep. he will not play with the youth. So my point is that statement he made. Is completely invalid. To be I'm fair, sure is. to be fair, that is a very good point. <laughs> I never thought about that. This is what do. No, this sure, is what you can do. identify someone and have them. Ha- yeah, but he was, he said it's more valuable for them to play in the game than right. to come and sit on the bench and not. Yeah, but don't make an excuse about it. I disagree with that though, from Pep, because I think it would be way more valuable for a lad who's never played for the first team to be to travel and to see what it takes and to see how these you know world class superstars prepare for a game. So. But I think he'll learn more for that one experience on the bench, even though he's not going to come on from 10, 15 youth team games. But arguably, wouldn't it have been someone like Brahim Diaz or you know one of the players that has been in the squad countless times anyway mm. and never actually gets on the bench? Well, why not bring up a lad who you know is the future but is nowhere near ready? I, I, I've always had a problem with six on the bench. It's always a political statement to a board or a chairman and... I just think it's pathetic because From there's so much you can you can uh, get or give to, to a player by having them involved yeah. in a first team squad, especially that first team squad. You'd learn so much just sitting in the bus next to you know whoever um, De Bruyne or yeah, Silva or Aguero or any of these guys. Well, not Aguero, watching them play with their phone. <laughs> not Aguero, <laughs> someone else. I don't know, for, for someone who literally made his name and put the stake in the ground of Barcelona about I would rather not sign a fifty million. Uh, dollar striker and I would rather promote someone from the youth for someone to make that statement and then put six on the bench yeah, but talk, that's is, a, that's talk a, is easy when your youth is in Yesta, Chaffee, exactly. Messi Puyol, Busquets like, talk is easy but then. you still yeah. have to try because yeah, since sure. he left Barcelona he's not promoted one youth player also not didn't, one. didn't City spend like a, a gazillion million dollars in a new youth system and sure. training they built uh, a, a, a facility yeah, the a facility. huge stadium for yeah. them. are you serious anyways um Back to the game. Sandaish had a had a nice. Uh, Alex, tell us about his Euro this down. Oh, he was just he said that having Edison was like having Ronald Koeman in goal. <laughs> Quite enjoyed that quote. <laughs> Probably during his playing time. Yeah, right? um, yeah. Edison made fantastic. a brilliant save from uh, who was it? Uh, Lennon. 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 Yeah, new yeah. signing at Burnley. He played well. well. He played well. Play. Are we going to skip over Sterling? No. Oh. Oh. He's playing. Oh. He's, <laughs> yeah, he skipped over that. <laughs> the, the best part of it was that delayed reaction when he just. Dropped to the ground. Yeah, like he just stood there and then he just decided to fall to the ground and like yeah. just yeah, unbelievable. It was like a video game. It really was. Yeah, when like when I see the goal, you start hitting. But it was a great team move as oh, usual. It was it was beautiful, it was beautiful. Yeah. and you wouldn't have thought he would do that on this. No, one. no, Rob Kyle Walker from a brilliant assist. 
It's you know, Kyle Walker with a brilliant assist for Burnley by not doing his job defensively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but yeah, Burnley, great point for Burnley there. I mean, City have only lost one game all season against Liverpool. Um, question is, are they going to lose again? I don't know. But they're pretty much run away with the league at this point. I mean, no they're one. How many points is that? 13 points away from United? That's with 20 plus goal difference. Yeah. Like on United, that's. That's that's not. There's, there's no a third in the season left. There's like 12 more league games, and they already have 70 points. Right. Yeah. 69 yeah. points. They could they could actually break 100 points. I think they they're incredible. And even on Saturday, they were unbelievable. Their football Gundogan was amazing. Uh, the way they moved from defence through midfield to attack is just so fluent. And credit to Burnley. You know, we've talked a lot about teams tonight with, with kind of bad attitudes and bad team spirit. Well, there's the team with the best team spirit in the yeah. entire league. Just yeah. A bunch of guys, no disrespect, just they're not that good. Not even some of them, not even near Premier League quality, and they're sitting in the top half of the table. It's remarkable, and credit to the manager and the football club and and the, the attitude of the players because they were getting dis- destroyed, so strong word, but really, really outplayed for long periods of the game, just hanging in there, one 0 down, and they turned the game in a few moments. You know, they hit the bar. They receive some momentum, the crowd got behind them and, and all of a sudden they get that equalising goal. Yeah, they probably don't deserve it, but their spirit deserved it. So I, I think just they're the story of the Premier League in a sense for me. Both these teams, one because they're, they're, they're so incredibly good and the other one because they're overachieving to a level that we've not seen a team do in the Premier League for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah, and it's, it's, not, it's actually nice because of the incredible run that Burnley went on. Now, when they get results that you'd expect, like a draw here or a loss there or whatever, Daesh is able to come out and be like, yeah, we still did the right thing. Yeah. We didn't get the result. It's all right. We move on to next week. He doesn't yeah. have to despair about they it. They stick to the plan. Yeah. You know, their plan, what suits the guys. It's yeah. not pretty. It's not exciting, but it's the plan. And to have 25 people buy into a plan is just remarkable management. Because you've always got one guy who thinks they're smarter or they're more experienced. Or, no, they want to do it their way and they're going in their little clique in the changing room and trying to spread their word. Yeah. I've seen it in every changing room I've been in, almost. When you have a changing room where everybody just buys into what the plan is and you have a leader or a manager who has a hierarchy and a captain and a leadership structure that says, this is how we're going to be great and uh, and buys into it, then you get success. Yeah. And you've seen it with these guys. Ben Mee's a captain terrific like the lad's really limited in talent but he's been makes unbelievable he yeah. makes up for it in heart and determination and leadership yeah. I was reading um, Shaq Ferguson's book Leading yeah. um, last night and he said he's literally said there are loads of players that are talented and there are loads of players like Gary Neville who are not as talented make <laughs> up with it with hard work and yeah. he said yeah. I would pick the latter every day over the talented player because that guy will work so hard to get me what I want that other guy might I think I think me. someone who's quite good that falls in the category just again Beckham. I'm slightly biased is Beckham Beckham has obviously the natural talents it had to be there but he would not be anywhere near because no. he's not naturally a flair player he's not fast he doesn't have and it's one of those where you need some of that. Ronaldo, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo's obviously got the abundance of talent, but he wouldn't be where he is today without his hard work, and et cetera, et cetera. The best thing you can get, sorry to interrupt, I want to make this point, but is you know what you're going to get for your players. Right. Right? So you wake up on a Saturday morning and you're like, I know what we're going to be mm-hmm. today. And our, ta- our talent performance might be this level or that level, but I know we're getting that effort and that work rate. And, you know, at Chelsea right now, they don't know what they're going to get. They don't know what they're right. going to get for five, six of their starters. Man City know what they're going to get for 
eight, nine, ten, you know, and yeah, Sterling had an off day. Burnley know what they're going to get for their eight, nine, ten. Once you have eight, nine players playing at their level, at their thing, you win a lot of games and, and they've proved it this season. Yeah, and that's when you can put Adele Tarot in at like, number ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I need everyone to promise that we're going to quickly run through right, yeah, quick, quick, quick. Quick. very quickly. Leicester won, Swansea won. Um, Mara is, yeah, <laughs> is on some sort of strike. He never got his move to City in January, etc., etc. His replacement in the Abati looked quite good. I like him. I like him. He looked okay. Hanacho um, uh, playing well. Great assist for to Vardy. Mm-hmm. Um, Next game. And yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Sorry. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> broker but, no. You know he has a quote every week. Carver yeah. He's oh, just. I love it. <laughs> we were planning to give more pace and attack with Wilfred Boney, but in the last ten minutes, Leicester were more organised and created more noise. So more pace and attack with Wilfred Boney. Yeah. It's all relevant. <laughs> it's all relevant. Yeah. Right? He was up there yeah. like before. Also, he did yeah. say something about his injury. He said when once when one swan falls, another swan flies. <laughs> oh, okay. Since yeah. we're giving Carver quotes, they asked him about Morris not playing. He goes. Something about how you live next to your neighbor, you say hi, but you don't actually care what they're doing. Yeah. So don't ask me this question. <laughs> Brighton beat West Ham 3 1. Um, Iscardo with a brilliant goal, a goal from the left hand side. Doesn't that mean left in Spanish? Or right? Iscardo. Yeah. Iscardo. Um, brilliant. Like He meant that. He meant to kind of put in. Obviously, he took off his shirt. He couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah. He, was he, he was asked how he was going to celebrate, and he was like, I'm going to go home. I'm actually a bit lonely. I'm just going to call my mum. Oh, oh, poor heartbreaking. Oh, dear. Yeah. Sure, you can find a girlfriend in Brighton. <laughs> yeah. Hang out with Ali. I tell you what, this we'll was, get there. <laughs> this was um, a big result for Brighton, in all honesty. Because, yeah. you know, as, as this season goes on, we're not going to care about the top. We're going to be bothered about the bottom. So it was a big win for Brighton yeah. well, at home at West Ham. And West Ham, who you think is going to, you know, creep it in, mm. suddenly you're like, mm, maybe not, because, again, Attitude and, and right, spirit right. and personality. Yeah, they're only three points. Isn't yeah. it something like from 11th to relegation zone is like three points? Yeah, yeah everybody's 12, in their relegation 12, zone. 12, yeah, yeah. Um, Bournemouth beats Stoke 2 1 coming from behind. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you're gonna let what's his name score a header, Shakiri, mm-hmm. yeah, you deserve yeah, to lose the game. Yeah. Yeah. So they made up for it because if Shakiri scores a header, you just might as well liquidate. Yeah, I, I covered this game. It was it was an intriguing game actually. Stoke were brilliant in the first half. In Jai, the, the new signing for Galatasaray was tremendous. He was yeah. everywhere. Shakiri with a bit of flair. Even Crouch was playing very well. You know, there was real cohesion there. And Bournemouth are another strange side because it wasn't clicking at all in the first half. And you think there's just going to go down, you know, two or three nil to Stoke. And they come out the second half, completely dominated the game, fully deserved their two goals and Another massive win for the the, the bottom battle because these teams like Bournemouth, I think, are going to be safe, more yeah. than safe. But Brighton need to win their home games. Yeah, absolutely, going to be huge. Right. Um, West Brom lost to Southampton three uh, two. Um, I mean, West Brom are obviously the best team in the world because they're trying to field two Egyptian centre backs. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> they, they, they won your vote. Yeah, oh, okay. for sure, for sure. The pyramid scheme they're building. <laughs> hey. um, Lamina with a great goal. What a um, hit. Yeah, just beautiful. Any, um, anything you want to say, Rashad? It was great. Even I scored a good goal. Even I scored a good goal. We get a weekly uh, football update from uh, about Rashad playing football every week. I don't know how he does this all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every week. I mean, I don't know if he wants to talk about this week. He missed the penalty. Oh, yeah. 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 I did score a goal, though. You did. <laughs> did it like, just hit you and go in? It did. It was something like that. <laughs> it almost missed. Um, 
in in uh, West Brom, Southampton, they both started their new strikers. So West Brom started Sturridge, Southampton started Carrillo. They bought for twenty million from Monaco. They had one shot on target between them. So, so like <laughs> half a shot each. Mm. Yeah, 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 half a shot each. A scuff. A scuff. Um, all right. So top of the table, really quickly. City are going to win the league. Who's going to go down? Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Newcastle. Brighton. Mm. I think maybe. I hope Swansea. You know what? It's really tough on last one. I, I go maybe Swansea. I think maybe West Brom. I yeah. got a feeling. Yeah, no, they're no, not I the they reaction of Pardew. They can grind it out. Even Johnny Evans well. in defence. The thing is with Pardew, it's yeah. either a run of great form or a run of horrendous form. Like there's, there tends to be very little. Yeah. Chain, I don't know. Newcastle will be struggling as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think Palace just, will just have enough. They'll probably sneak a few. Out. West Ham, but apparently uh, Zaha might be out for a while. Yeah, that will be a blow. Oh, then they're going. Yeah. Oh, hmm. that's bad. Anyway, all right, let's uh, do some mumus. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I do mumu. <laughs> <laughs> one thing we are no sha mumu no fit sleep forever. One day mumu go wake up. So a quick refresher for um, people tuning in recently: a mumu is a fool, an idiot, someone that we just don't like, and we like to focus on those people outside the pitch of football. Um, so this week, we'll start with the entire organization of West Ham. <laughs> yeah, not to alienate anyone, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, literally, yeah, the opposite of yeah. Exactly. Um, so this week, Tony Henry, who was, the, who was the director of recruitment at West Ham, was sacked after making comments basically saying they don't want to sign African players because they have a bad attitude. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, he basically almost just said they dance too much. Yeah. Like, yeah, pretty yeah. much. He, he, yeah, pretty much it. But the funny thing was that this came out in the Daily Mail, and they took a moral high ground. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> you do this every week about immigrants. Asylum seekers. Yeah. Um, but if he wasn't sacked for that, he should have been sacked anyway, because apparently they made a £25 million deadline day bid for Joe Allen. So. Club <laughs> record. Club record. On Joe Allen. And I like Joe Allen, but like... But money yeah. means nothing now anymore. Yeah. Every, everybody's going to be a record, because... But it's Joe Allen. <laughs> no, you might as well... Yeah, I don't know. Really? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, do we have any other moments? Um, I mean, nothing really comes no, to mind. The, the, the only thing I kind of want to talk about... <laughs> That is, and I'm going to say, whoever hacked Deli Ali, yeah. you get Moomoo of the Week as well. Yeah. I mean, we can bans this all we want. Yeah. It's on Twitter, so if you really want to enjoy some bans, go on, go on Twitter. Yeah, I've also but, got it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I sent it to you. That's the worst part. He's a 20-year-old kid who right. now has to deal with himself exposed on the internet, literally. Yeah. And... It's not something we really should be joking about because if I remember when I was twenty, if that was online, I would be de- thinking I'd be dead because my Nigerian parents would kill me. Yes, <laughs> they would actually just dig my grave and throw me in at that point. So it's, it's exactly yeah. So it's 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 a sensitive subject in that sense, and I feel like well, at the end of the day, not... your privacy got hacked regardless of what the video is. It could have been a video of anything. It didn't have to be that. But at the end of the day, your privacy got hacked. No one deserves that regardless of what the content is. That that's Momo. The Momo is also that. Why are you why one? Why are you cheating on your girlfriend, your wife? That's Momo number two. No, Momo is if you're gonna do it, why are you filming it? Like, I'm smiling just... and laughing in the video. That was that yeah. Was pretty well, bad. Something that's consistent with his character, you know, on and off the field. He's not really focused on what he's doing in the in the. <laughs> he's, to be fair, he's had a oh. he's had a pretty bad season. <laughs> pretty bad season. I mean, that's probably a high for him. If anything. Oh. Anyways, God. we said we're not gonna advance this, so we should probably just. Yeah, let's quit while we're ahead. I do mumu. One thing we are no sha, mumu no fit sleep forever. One day mumu go wake up. 
All right, let's talk about Toronto FC. Um, Stephen, they announced the signing of Gregory Vanderbilt. Yeah. Quality player. Yeah. Why is he number nine? Don't know. <laughs> Detest that. I think you should always wear a number. It's in your area, but I guess number nine was free and he, he wanted to take it. But expect him to get forward a lot and probably score a few goals. So well, he's he obligated be, now. Maybe worthy of the number nine. At least let him take the penalties. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Like when, when William Gallas was number ten, was taking over like Burkham. Yeah, was crazy. Yeah, anyways, but he's he's an exciting player. I think he, he's always kind of teetered on that on that kind of. Is he going to make it to a big team? Is he going to? Yeah. And it just never really happened for him, but. Exciting. Yeah, I mean, how, what do you think? What do you think? Of Very, good a yeah. Very good signing. Very good signing. I've not watched him play for a number of years, so yeah. it's difficult to be to be too um, objective about it. But he looks like he's a very good player. He played in the World Cup final yeah. eight years ago. Uh, played for PSG, playing some great clubs. He's he's been faltering a little bit, but looks like a brilliant signing in a position that TFC really needed to improve. Uh, right wing back, I thought Steam Bettishore was fantastic, but. If they wanted to move to that next level, they need a really attacking quality right wing back and and Van der Wiel as he's, as he's been called. Wheel, yeah, right. they're calling him Van der Van der Wiel, right. which is um, strange to me. I called him Van der Wiel for for years, <laughs> but I think that's how he pronounce his name. Is um, is going to be good for TFC and uh, another upgrade. Does TFC improve their eleven? In my opinion, it makes the squad a little bit more, more vulnerable just because yeah. of the salary cap, but. You know, they want to compete and they want to try and win CONCACAF Champions League, so they need better players. Fair enough. This is also someone who got in a fight with Zlatan, so... <laughs> yeah, bring some, fearless. Bring some spirit. <laughs> Take it. Um, Take it. Where, where else do you think the, the squad needs strengthening? And clearly right back was an issue. Uh, I think the, the squad needs a little bit of strengthening, and I'm contradicting what I just said, because as the 11... Improves. I think the squad gets a little bit weaker and you need to take some chances on, on draft picks and younger guys. I think uh, central defence is another area that's a bit of an issue. Uh, I, I think TFC are going to start 4-4-2 Diamond, which what they finished in, um, in uh, MLS Cup against Seattle Sounders. So I think Mavinga's great. He's got the pace. Uh, Drew's getting a little bit older, although he has that experience and that, that leadership quality. But... Sometimes I think he can look a little bit vulnerable in that yeah. position. So Zavalet and Haglin might, might run them close. They have to again step up another level, which which hopefully for TFC they, they will do. Uh, midfield for me, they still need another midfielder or so. Bradley and Vasquez are, are, are terrific, but uh, Azorio and, and Delgado can be a little bit consistent. So I, I think they'll try and bring in another midfielder and probably in the summer, they're saying, because of the cap and stuff. But... Yeah. They need another quality player there. Okay. Uh, what do you think of left back? Because we lost Raheem yeah. Edwards now to Montreal. Yeah. Uh, and That's I thought he was a fantastic player. That's yeah, he was good. He was very good. And it was a big loss, especially going over to TFC's Canadian rivals. Montreal, I think, was a great pickup for them. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. it was in that, that uh, you know, con- didn't, TFC didn't predict Raheem. And then LAFC traded him and Raitala um, for Simon. So that was an interesting one. I don't think they expected them to go to. A Canadian team that could mm-hmm. cause them a lot of problems just yeah. PR wise and stuff. Although, in fairness to TFC, they have Justin Morrow, they're going to give him a new deal. He's probably the best left back, one of the best left backs in the league. Okay. He'll start every game and he has been fit in his career because he's a very healthy guy, he mm. looks after his body. But he's starting to get to that yeah. age near 30 where if something goes wrong, they have very little cover in that position. Mm. So, Ashton could be an issue. A bit of a drop off. They have Ash, uh, who's been there a while, but you know, in, in fairness, I think Raheem was stepping ahead there, Ashton. Mm. 
Um, but Ashton again gets another opportunity. But they'll be hoping Morrow can play. 90% Is Endo still in the squad? Endo. Trialist. Endo's yeah. came back as a trialist, so they're going to have another look at him. I think they're probably I, going to upgrade if they can, and if they can, Endo will get a contract. I felt good about him first couple of games he played. That he was looked, a long time ago. I, that was a long time ago. I really hoped he would make it. I don't know, like draft pick, and like, it was a nice story. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about Endo, right? Yeah. That's because he's Captain Subasa. That's why you. Right. <laughs> That's probably why, yeah. I just wanted him for the puns. They're endless. <laughs> end, of, end of the road. Yeah, end yeah. Of the, you know. um, all right, so the start of uh, questions from. Uh, uh-huh. Question from the internet. Um, the first one does involve TFC. So Justin Bernard says, um, does Stephen think that we can make MLS Cup for a third year in a row? Yeah, I do. I think TFC are, are still very strong on paper. I think it will get tougher and tougher as the league gets stronger and as TFC become more and more the team to beat. And mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of cup final, as they say, every time they, they head, certainly away from home, they're going to have to keep up that strong home form at Beamer Field. But... I don't see anything to suggest that they're going to lose that favourite tag. Fair enough. Um, sticking with MLS, Gavin Wiggins says, and I think we asked something similar to this this time last year, yeah. but maybe things have changed since then. So he says, do you think MLS is at championship level, as in English championship? Yeah. Um, or how does it compare? And also, why the trend of Scotsmen coming to MLS recently? Yeah, that's that's been great to see. Um, Danny Wilson, a guy that actually I played... Uh, for Scotland with him I made, he made his debut I, I played uh, up in Aberdeen against uh, I can't remember who we played should know Estonia maybe it was but anyway you know, a, a lad I know good player he's just went to Colorado Rapids um, where is MLS in regards to English football really difficult to to place it I do think there's a lot of quality players um, a lot of attractive football I don't know if it's as tough as a championship tactically Tactically, I think it's behind. Um, I think when you look at the championship now and some of the numbers that people are playing, um, signing, you know, 10, 15 million people. Wolves are are incredible. They could probably be in the Europe. Villa are paying, you know, the Snodgrass and Terry. And you look at their squad and some of the salaries they'll be paying, I think it's it's hard to argue that MLS is at championship level. And and, and championship is the best second league in In maybe world. world football, certainly in Europe. Um, it's tough it's so tough so MLS doesn't have that tough but I think MLS is quality and I think uh, it's difficult because I think we should enjoy MLS for what it is and and just kind of it's a North American league it's soccer here it's different it's summer soccer it's stadiums are getting better it's fun it's I think it's quite decent football to watch. Most teams try and get the ball down and, and play it around. That's not the case in the championship. Eight <laughs> yeah. percent of the games are difficult to watch because they're just a grind. The stakes, the stakes yeah. are too high. Stakes too high. Yeah. It's yeah. cold. It's mm-hmm. miserable. You know. So um, aesthetically, I'd rather watch MLS. I think championships probably a little stronger. I'd agree yeah. with that. Sometimes when you're watching the MLS, you never know when a goal is going to happen, yeah. and that keeps it exciting. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, Mo, did you have something or? No, no, you're good. All right. Um, so I'm gonna have and, a shift, though. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll move on to uh, Scotland. I mean, you could, you probably could have predicted a couple of questions here. But um, Alan Gorman says, uh, "What do you think about Walter Smith rumours, and also, uh, you know, the rumours about your brother <laughs> applying for the job?" Yeah, well, my brother. I don't know the Walter Smith rumours actually, but um, he was a terrific manager, a manager I worked under with Scotland, and, and one of the best I'd ever. Um, ever experienced just a brilliant man manager and, and a good tactician and 
uh, a very scary man, a man that he did <laughs> not want to cross. Um, so I don't know if he's wants that again or he's at the age where he still has the appetite for that. He's pretty much done everything in the game, so I'd be surprised if he wants to come back to the kind of hassle and, and the, the scrutiny of Scotland. Uh, but regards to my brother, it's something that he really wants. He's um, he's a young manager. He started at Wigan. He, he won League One Manager of the Year in his first full season. Wigan played some of the most attractive football they had seen in League One. and He did a tremendous job since then. He's, he's struggled a little bit, as most young managers do. He, he got sacked at Wigan and he took a job at Chesterfield. He, he probably shouldn't have t- took. I think it was a level that was... Alien to him, League Two, he, he played at the top pretty much his whole career and um, he was asking for concepts and dealing with players that was, that was right. difficult for him to deal with. No excuses, didn't do a good job and I think he'd be fantastic for Scotland. I think he has the passion and the commitment and he has some great ideas and I know he works extremely hard at what he does and his experience as a player, you know, he's one of the few, kind of, it must be 20, 30 players who have won 50 plus caps, he's one of them, he's scored a goal against France, probably Scotland's most famous goal in the last 15 <laughs> years and he has you know, a great love for his country like, like most of us do, so uh, why not? He certainly deserves an interview in my opinion. Right. Well, I, I think TFC fans can help with the campaign. Right? Yeah, I think, I think we're strong enough, yeah. I think we're strong enough online <laughs> to do that. Um, Andreas K uh, says, "Are you are you willing to put your name in the hat for Scottish FA chief executive?" <laughs> well, I don't think I'm ready for that, but it's something that obviously I would aspire to be to, to do maybe one day, but not at this age. I think that's a a job for a pretty serious man. It's it's certainly in the kind of uh, area where I'd like to be working. I'm not sure. I'm I'm who knows, but I don't think I'm going to be a head coach. I think I'm going to be more of a kind of um, front office chief executive type role and. It's something that, that one day I'd like to do, but I think Scotland are, uh, would be best served to go and get a guy who's you know a little bit more experienced and, and prepared for that job. Fair enough. It's also hard to leave Toronto, no? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not in the winter, is it? <laughs> um, all right, Darren McNulty, friend of the pod. Um, he's got two questions. The first one, first is serious. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Euro- European Nations League? Uh, interesting actually it might be quite good I think that it's better than just an average friendly I think it's nice that they're kind of going to grade the uh, the teams as well and, and you're going to play against sides that are that are sort of I don't, I don't like when you get a friendly against a team who are not very good and, and one who's, who's really good I just think it becomes a bit negative so yeah it, it, it's something they're trying to kind of create more competition in the friendlies Right, Darren's second question is, um, so he's actually from um, County Donegal in Ireland. Right. And uh, his local team is Finn Harps. Finn Harps, I know yeah. Finn Harps. Oh, I might have played he, there, actually. No way. Yeah. He will be delighted. <laughs> yeah, because his question is, up the harps? <laughs> yeah, his question is, will, will you say up the harps? <laughs> up the harps. There you go. There you go. All right, Darren. No more requests ever. Right. <laughs> um, Encore. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, um, we'll end with Callum Gordon. Um, Having done both, what's the better feeling? Winning the championship outright or winning the playoff final at Wembley? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. It's a very hard question to answer. I think that when you win any league, it's always amazing. Um, you know, you're clearly the best team in that league. and um, It was phenomenal. I did it when I was younger, when I played for Sunderland. and I did it with a club who, were, in my opinion, should be in the Premier League, a big club who are expected to be at that level. So... Even though it was it was great, it was it was sort of what we expected from day one. 
with Burnley, it was really different because back then Burnley were not expected to be in the Premier League. They were um, a club who were just kind of languishing in the bottom half of the Championship. And we built something really great and we had a feeling of the momentum and the, the, the spirit that we had, but no idea where it was going to end. And uh, to end it at Wembley, which was a stadium I always wanted to play at, it was, it was really important to me if I could play there at least once in my career. And to walk these steps and lift that trophy, it sort of, it feels more, yeah. it feels better, you know, mm. but and you have to remember you, we finished uh, fifth that season, uh, so there's four better teams than us, so, you know, let's put it in perspective, it's, when you're in a league campaign, it's about 46 games in the championship, and um, so for me, league winners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have to see it. Fair enough. Cool. No, I just that's really exciting, because I was just thinking, yeah. like, is it? It's more like a cup at that point, yeah, and it's like yeah. winning the. And which one do you celebrate more? Because in the league, you think I need to win next game, but if I don't, I have the next game. Yeah. But if I, like I don't know. It's, it's I mean, different. The, the playoff final is always like the most exciting game. Yeah, it's, yes, it's amazing. It, it's got it's a big money. So game, much right? money. Yeah. Yeah. on it. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wolves will be delighted, but they'll have won it by you know, yeah. March. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's where we, we will leave it. Stephen, thank you so much for your Thanks, time. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll have you on in another year's time. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> see if, uh, we'll see if MLS is the stand of the championship by then. <laughs> or not. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you. Thank awesome. you, Alex. See you next week. Peace. See you. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Mm-hmm.